a new edition of the Sheffield Steelers podcast. We're joined, first of all, by uh, head coach Aaron Fox. Well, it doesn't get much better than that, does it, Aaron? No, that was a good 60 we had tonight. Um, I thought that was a pretty tight hockey game early on, but I just thought our compete level and battle level was through the roof tonight. The boys were dialed in from, from puck drop. Um, uh, you know, I told uh, Bob Westerdale, like, that might be the best line rush team in the league. Like, when they're on the rush, they are hard to handle, and, and they like to make plays. And I thought tonight after the first period there, we really shut them down and just kept put, continuously put pressure on them. We're physical with their D. Um, kind of took over that game midway through the second, and huge special teams, two power play goals there, and then a huge five-on-three kill. And then I thought the third was obviously we, we, we were – a different hockey team in the third. And we did it short-handed, of course. You know, two another two players out of the lineup tonight. Yeah, we've been short here <laughs> for a while, but it's just kind of a next man up. Everyone's, you know, we're playing three lines. Everyone's keeping their shifts short right now, kind of buying into the concept of what we need to do to win hockey games. And um, I think everyone's having a lot of fun, scoring a lot of goals. And then, like I said, for me, the biggest difference tonight over the last three games, I know we, we got five out of six points, but I didn't think we were great the second half of that Manchester game. I didn't love our game in knots, and obviously the, the loss, overtime loss, we were only good for about 10 minutes. It was just more about the compete and the energy, and I, I felt like that was back tonight, so it was really good to see. We took two days off. Um, we didn't have them on the ice the last two days. We pre-game skated this morning. I felt like the boys were, were already ready to go this morning, so it was, it was good. A couple of mentions, Duber again outstanding when he had to be, and, and Josef Robo gets his uh, first of the uh, first of the season for us. Yeah, um, I mean, Dubes, I can say it every night at the moment here, he's been next level. Um, Joseph, Joseph again, he's a good hockey player, he's been a pretty good replacement for Miko. He, uh, his compete levels, you know, kind of what sets him apart, like he does not like losing battles. Um, even in practice, he, he kind of gives it to the guys once in a while and gets a little high-tempered there, so... Um, Happy to see him score. Really nice play by Army there. Nikolai makes it a good wide play, and then Army with the backhand finds Robs and a nice shot. We say after every game, the next game is hugely important, but tomorrow <laughs> night, Glasgow, especially with Cardiff dropping a couple of points tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, we control our own destiny at the moment. We put ourselves in a position with the last 20, 21 games here to to be chased, even though we have the games at hand. Um, we play Cardiff three more times, so we just got to find a way to keep stringing these together right now, and... and I like where we're at. Quick word just to finish off the crowd, the atmosphere, 9,200 in WoW. Man, you guys are brilliant putting this $5 game after <laughs> the holiday <laughs> games. You guys you guys got to your shit together. We have a lot of players to pay for, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You want to see the gaffer's face right now. <laughs> hey, no, fun night. Really yeah, fun night. Fun night. Congratulations. Thank You've you. sent everybody home happy. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, hand the microphone back off to Martin. And I think from start to finish, you couldn't fault that night, could you, Jonathan? No, that was uh, really enjoyable. Yeah. The crowd, uh, well, they got more than five pounds worth, that's absolutely they, yeah. certain. Uh, it was, again, nice to see that the Steelers can score six goals past the team who've conceded the fewest, yeah. given all the players the Steelers had out of the lineup tonight. Aaron's gone in his office. Did he go back in there? There was a question I forgot to ask him. Um, hold on. Aaron, we're just coming back in. We're still live on the podcast. There was a question I forgot to ask you. The Warburton decision, that's a great move for a young kid, isn't it, to, to go in 9,000 people and play a couple of minutes. What yeah. were you thinking there? Well, I actually wanted to get him in around the 10-minute mark when it was 6-1, and and uh, we gave up one there, and I pulled pulled the reins in a little bit. I wanted to get him in around the 5-minute mark, and that play just went on forever. It ended up being three minutes. So um, good for a local kid like that to get in there. You know, really nice of the Steel Dogs to loan him to us over this period with Will Curlin being gone. 
and with him only being here for five five games, this I felt like this was probably the best opportunity to give him and get him a few minutes, which was cool in front of ninety two hundred. That's pretty special. Must be. Thank you again. Thanks. We'll leave yeah. you all to it. Yeah. Coaching office is all there, and uh, we we come out. Yeah, I wanted to get that one in because it was great, wasn't it, to see uh, Warburton go in there. Great. He's been coming here, I think, since he was like. 9, 10, 11, something like that. He's a young kid. He's one of our own. And uh, I know his mum did a lot of work down at the Steel Dogs as well, didn't she? They're a good hockey family. He's thought of as a, you know, a real genuine prospect as he's well. He's huge, isn't he? He's a, he's a big lad, certainly is. Yeah, you, you know, you're just used to hockey players being tall, but really big and athletic. And he's an got a man's body figure. on him already. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and when he came in, I got James Betar alongside me on, on commentary. And... Without needing to be prompt, he said, he's good. Kid's good. And he won't have seen a lot of him. Um, they won't have been on the ice a lot against him. Um, and has already can say glowing words about him, which is uh, you know, a pretty good start. Should we start at the beginning? 9200. Wow. Yeah, wow. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's different up in the White House. It's different. In the, well, I was lucky enough to be on the ice tonight. Mm. And you go on, especially when the lights come on, you know, when they put the phone lights on, and you're down at that level. It's incredible. And then when you walk down onto the ice and you look up, you think, it never fails to grab you in the throat. It's like, it's an incredible sight, 9200 in there. Yeah, and great with the lights at the start as well. Um, it always looks absolutely spectacular when you've got the white and the orange all, all around the building. And I thought the crowd was good throughout the game. Yeah, the team gave him plenty to shout about, but it was it was loud throughout. There were times in the other two games this weekend where it's been a bit flat, it's been a bit quiet, and the team hasn't really given them, given the fans a reason to get up and cheer. But I thought throughout tonight it was it was good. As always helped, as soon as Guildford scored, Steelers answered straight yeah. back. So never a chance for them to build any first period momentum. It gets the crowd straight back into the game and no chance to feel sorry for themselves. Sheffield people love Sheffield people and when Sue Hine came on to ring the bell for mm. beating cancer. Tremendous. She's been a fan here for as long as I can remember. And again, you just heard the building rock. People love that story and they love it when it's one of their own and she's very well thought of and what a reception she got. Yeah, fantastic. It, was, it reminded me a bit of when uh, Tony Foles came down yeah. uh, on the Remembrance Weekend. Uh, what a great reception he got and uh, always special. So we've had a couple of, sort of bell ringings uh, here over the years and uh, they're always, uh, always well received. How did the Steelers play tonight without Dowd, without O'Connor, without Valoran? I mean, you can replace Valoran to an extent in an import situation because you've got the, the import for import, but O'Connor and Dowd are irreplaceable. So how did Aaron Fox go about that tonight in his line combination and, and how he played the game? Well, he put uh, Jonathan Phillips on the line with DeLuca and Connolly. We and liked that better, didn't we? Because Eberle was on it in Nottingham. Yeah, Eberle plays with an incredible intensity and real drive. But Jono Phillips has got a foot speed that few others have. He can essentially keep up with DeLuca and Connolly when they're playing at 100 miles an hour like they want to. So Phillips is actually a better fit for that line. I was looking at the second line, though, Eberle, Lemchigoff, Armstrong. And you think, well, how productive has that line been? Well, compare it to Waters, Reddick and Dunbar, who've just destroyed the league for two and a half years because they're terrific. Guildford's top line, 45 plus 64. Okay, so just over 100 points. That third, sorry, that second line for the Steelers, Eberle, Lemchigoff, Armstrong, 41 plus 65. They're only three points behind him. So that first line that we all recognise as being one of the league's best, mm. Steelers have a second line that can match it. Eberle, again, officially one goal tonight, but I'm sure it'll get changed to two. I'm pretty, we're pretty sure that he scored uh, one of those power play goals in the second period, plus the one he got in the third. 
Um, he's already way surpassed his goals total for last year. That's why we're getting it done. Secondary scoring. As well as being way past his goal total for last year, is he way past the expectancy level we all had for him coming into this second season? Yeah, well, we wanted, we wanted that energy. We wanted that drive. We wanted that hustle. Um, and he's, the fact that he's got the goals is a bonus. You know, he's on, what, 16, 17 now? If he finishes the year on 20, he's still more than done his job because, you know, the Steelers have got goal scorers that can contribute in other ways. Um, and they're benefiting from, from his play and other players around him are benefiting from uh, the way he plays too. Let's just go see if we can get uh, John. If Big John can just come and join us quickly just for uh, just a two-second uh, chat. Wow, that was, uh, that was some night. Salad crowd, great performance, two points, and hopefully no more injuries. There's nothing like that arena when it's full like that. It's amazing seeing all the orange. The guys get so fired up. It's uh, come from behind as well. Guildford 1-0 early doors. But it, Jonathan was just saying it was important we hit back early and we did. Yeah, they're a skilled team. You've seen what they've done. They've, they beat a lot of good teams. We, we lost to them earlier in the year. They're a really offensive team. We just got to focus on shutting them down, and we know that we can score on this club. So we should never be afraid once we're down a couple goals. And the assist of the night for you, that backhand sauce pass to Harabal, we were purring over that on the webcast. Oh, thanks. Uh, I missed it, John. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad he put it in the net. <laughs> That line, Jonathan's just been saying, your line with uh, Lenchikov and Eberle has been productive this year. What's your role on it, and, and how do you see that line performing? Um, well, Ebbs is, Ebbs is always hunting pucks and turning pucks over. Nicky's really skilled, and it takes a little bit of time to get used to playing with those guys, so I think it helps that I've had some time throughout the year. Because Ebbs is just so fast, he's flying all over the place, and Nicky's so creative that it takes a little time to get used to how he plays. But I think um, I try to be reliable on that line, uh, reliable on both ends of the ice. And uh, I let Ebbs go to work in, in the ozone, turn pucks over, so I have to make sure that I'm close to him so he has the help. Lemchikov holds on to the puck for, for so long at times, you've got to sort of know when is the pass coming, because it's usually not when you might expect it. Yeah, um, at the start of the year, I was, I struggled a little bit, like knowing where to go. And I think it takes time when you got a really skilled player like that. It takes time to learn where he's going with the puck, what he's thinking, and you just get that with repetition. And, and since we played together so long, I, oh, well, sometimes I know where he's going at least. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, recipe now for tomorrow? You just just rest up, is it between now and, and bus time? Yeah, we got to get get a rest. Uh, a lot of the guys are hurting. There's, there's all, obviously all the injuries we have, and then a lot of guys have a lot of bumps and bruises right now as well. So we just got to make sure we get our recovery, get a good sleep, because uh, we'll be back here for the bus early in the morning. Okay, get the wife to tuck you in nicely this evening. Thank you. Take care. Uh, right, we were going to extend this one, weren't we? Should we cut the player off now and go and have a, have a chat about where we are? You okay, kids? signing shirts and uh, lots going on down here. I mean, after a win, there's no better place to be than down here by the dressing room and everything's going off and everybody's happy. It's a, it's a, it's a great feeling, isn't it? It is, yeah, because you know, our job here is to speak to the players and you know get some nice sound bites from them and content that the fans are going to enjoy. The players don't want to speak so much after a, after a defeat. It's always a bit, uh, a bit more difficult to get them to speak uh, 
him to speak openly and there's fewer nice things to ask him about following a defeat. But, uh, we, found, we found the young pup, Alex. He's, uh, he's doing the match report. God bless him. Saves me doing it. I love him for that. I love him for that. And uh, we'll just finish off on... Steeler Dan's in and Dean Woolley's here. And, cool, we, we got the 18 boys in the, uh, in the media room. We're going to have a bit of a... What are we going to chat about? You did tell me. Well, I'm just going to talk about the, the state of the team in, in general and where the... It's knackered. The it's knackered, Jonathan. That's what it is. It's knackered. I just want to say one final thing about the, the goals that were scored today. Um, because it's uh, one of the strangest set of goals I think I've ever seen. There's about three of them that went in without anybody realising. Guildford's second goal, I don't think the players knew... I could only see one Guildford fan stood up and yeah. he was stood up most of the game banging the drum. Uh, it was really odd. The first one that went past Duba that deflected up in the air and went in off his back and had to be reviewed. There was the one that the Steelers just got over the line and had to go to a review. It was I, I missed four goals today. Um, everybody, I think Dennis and Alex, they, they took the goals today. Uh, I, I think I only did one or two, uh, one or two of them. Uh, Alex, from your point of view, first of all, the full building, I've seen the videos, seen the pictures. It's something else when there's 9,000. The difference between 8,500 and 9,200 is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And uh, there was a, a couple of shots I took pre-game when there was hardly anybody in here. One just as we went to blackout um, and then one during the game as well. And just to see the build-up um, of the place, it, it's phenomenal. When this place is packed, it's... Well, we know you're not going to find anywhere quite like it in the league. And we said, so. Jonathan, I'll just briefly touch on it. The, the ringing of the bell went down so well. Sheffield, a Sheffield lass in front of Sheffield people and a fan of 28, 29 years. Incredible. It is, yeah. And I know Sue. I've spoken to her on, on a fair few times. Um, and that kind of reception is nothing more than um, the lady deserves. And she's fantastic. And that's what we know the Steelers do so well. Did you get some good pictures of that, Dean, of the old... Yes, yeah, different angles, concourse level today. Good. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be in focus. We'll check them out later. Um, OK, Jonathan, we talk about the state of the team. Um, one of the things, I think, when we all sat actually exactly where we're sat now, um, at the start of the year, we talked about the tandem of goaltending, Cantor and Duba. And we never thought we'd be in the position we were in right now where we're relying just on, we're riding one horse. Is it me or is Duba getting better and better and better the more we're riding him? Yeah, mention this on the webcast that... Um, thought his performance while he's an old goalie he can't be relied upon to play 60 games he never played 60 games he's going to play uh, before, but he's, he's going to do them now and while his performances keep getting better there's no signs that that wear and tear is kicking in whether there's a, a cliff edge coming soon we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll never find out but yeah if you look at his numbers at the start of the season they were all a little bit skewed by that um, game against Glasgow where he conceded three in five minutes on like, four shots whatever it was and his numbers were just ruined by those. The further we get away from that, the bigger body of work there is. And you look at his numbers and they're terrific. They are well up where a league-winning netminder should be. They're better than Ben Bounds' numbers. Yeah. And no one's saying Bounds is having a, an off-season. No, no. So if we're matching Cardiff for goaltending, um, you know, that's one of the pieces that, uh, that needs to be in place. Jonathan and I already touched on uh, young... Warburton going down in golf. Tremendous, that. Yeah, it is. And I've spoken to him a few times um, when I've been down to training um, just, to, just to kind of get the gossip and get what um, the thinking is behind having him in so much. But you see the amount of time he spends with Duba um, after a session. And I, I heard Aaron was talking um, to Pete from the BBC about it. But 
He just gives the young guys so much time. After training, they're always the last off. They'll always concentrate on specific drills and things. I, and get, I get the feeling Duba's a bit of a hockey geek in the nicest sense of the way. And if he can share his experiences, and he wants to be a goalie coach, doesn't he? That's what his, his next role in life is going to be. And if you're Will Curling or Warburton or whatever, you're, you're going to soak that up, aren't you? <coughs> yeah, I think, you, I think you almost have to. If, if you want to a, a cut it to a top level, you have to be willing to take on all the experience and advice because at the end of the day, that is... You look at some players that can play for years on end that a lot of them get through purely on experience as opposed to the quality of what they are because <clears throat> you look at somebody like Jono, he's probably not been the best Steelers player as such, um, you look like this year if you compare him to like a Valorand, but what he brings to the team in experience and leadership is second to none. Not so, the chance. Yeah. Not the chance. When we sat here and we talked about the Steelers' defence right at the start of the year, it didn't look like the Steelers' defence that we, we, we put out tonight. And you have to say, I think, tip your hat to Aaron Fox. God, he's found a couple of decent replacements. First of all, in Kuka, you know, and, and now in Rabel. Trosinski, the guys who have come in have, have solidified that defence, haven't they, in very difficult circumstances because when you lose AJ, who is your, probably your number one you know, import defenceman, and then you go and lose Batara as well, then you lose Living, and you're not losing them for a cup of coffee, you're losing them for a three-course meal. They're, they've been out. It's, it, it's, it's in some ways, though, that makes it a little easier because if you're out for two weeks, you can't really bring a replacement in. If you're out for two months, then you definitely probably can bring a replacement in. So in some senses, a long injury is more useful than a short injury because if you've got a couple of players out for a couple of weeks, then you're not going to be able to uh, you know, pay for the transfer of someone else to come across from, from Europe or North America for that. So there is a, an advantage in that sense. If you're going to have an injury, a long one you can deal with a little more effectively than a short-term one. Has, has Rabel replaced Kuka? A different type of player. Kuka's not going to get on the end of that Armstrong pass. But otherwise, in every other sense, yeah, absolutely, he's, uh, he's a top talent. And again, when we spoke at the beginning of the year, we talked about Eric Melland as being such a useful player because he could well front up down. I was in the uh, dressing room when he walked in tonight and he looked and goes, oh, not only am I D, I'm left D tonight, not right. You know, like he can play in all yeah, situations, he can't he? He was playing alongside David Phillips and we've not had two right-handed defencemen on the same defensive pairing for a long, long time, several years, I would imagine. Um, and so we slotted in and didn't miss a beat. Um, still able to get forward and, uh, you know, do the sort of things he can do in an offensive sense. And, you know, that's a pairing of Phillips and O'Connor that's been together for so long now you didn't notice that there was uh, it was a new pairing. It slotted in uh, really well. I mean, the goals we conceded tonight were weird goals. You know, it was almost a shutout level of performance. The saves that Duba made, he didn't deserve to be beaten by the two that he was. Not many teams can uh, score six after losing their two most probably flamboyant forwards in Valorand and Dowd but uh, we did that again tonight and the goals keep coming don't they? Yeah I thought the, the lines tonight looked a lot more settled uh, having Everly Armstrong and, and Lenty together and then putting Jono um, at the top line um, why I'm not really sure but players seem to find the groove and we've seen the chemistry that Valley and DeLuca and Connolly have put together through most of the season and whilst we lack it they're still scoring goals they're still scoring points and Connolly's point streak is he's playing at another level right now. Though, 
I've just been given the game sheet that's got Connolly as a scorer on it tonight. Did Connolly get an assist as well? Um, uh, yes, because yeah. I think uh, our uh, trusted photographer, Dean, uh, believes the Connolly goal is going to get changed to Sandstrom? No, no. It the other way. Oh, it was the other way. So Connolly scored it. OK, so Dean. So, the, so, the, so the, the streak continues. What do we read into DeLuca being yanked halfway through the third period, I think, or uh, precautionary, I, I guess, with tomorrow's game in, in Glasgow? Yeah, I think the game is, is over at that point. You know, he may not have wanted to put Curtis Warburton in, um, there was the potential that we, you know, could concede a few goals in the time that was left, but six was going to be enough to win the game. So Deluca didn't need to be out there in an offensive sense. We just needed to limit what they could do. And we saw the puck possession that we had in the final two minutes, just kept it in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. And Warburton was in the net for two minutes before the puck even came down to his end of the ice. There's all those injuries up in the stands, but we are fragile in that room at the moment physically because there are a couple of bodies almost waiting to break and it's so important that they don't break until the reinforcements, if you like, get back. Yeah, it is. Um, and it is, it's a smart move from Aaron, really, because he knows the, the status of every player inside that locker room and whilst things aren't as good as what we'd hope they would be, we are still performing, we are still turning up to games and... We're not rolling over, and it was kind of a worry that I had that if a team got hold of us. But when we saw in the the New Year's Day game, and um, Nottingham got a lead, but there was still the fight that we've seen so often this season. So you can't fault it. Betower thinks he'll be back soon. He was uh, quite optimistic about his chances for getting in the lineup. Uh, you know, in a week or so. Um, and if O'Connor and Valeranda... I think Johnson's well. only... A, I think Johnson's like days behind Batara as well. Yeah, so there's some decisions to be made soon. And I'm glad I don't have to make them. Yeah, yeah. Because we've got an awful lot of talent and some of it's going to have to sit in the stand as a healthy scratch. Um, great position to be in. It's great that the club can, you know, with nights like tonight, afford to be in that position. It's a luxury that other teams don't have. And as we've seen other teams, you know, their fortunes have... You know, changed over the last couple of months. Teams that were at the top have dropped down. Teams that were way out of the race have come back, just because of the injury situation. The Steelers have been able to keep rolling, and uh, you know it's huge credit to uh, Fox's in-season recruitment, but also the players who are playing through what is a considerable amount of pain sometimes. Are the card just a yes or a no here? Are the Cardiff Devils still the favourite for the league title, Alex? Yes, Jonathan. After tonight, I'm not sure they are. Okay. I think it's pretty much dead even. Five points is the Sheffield Steelers lead. Cardiff have four in hand. So could Cardiff go... Three points ahead? Yeah, well, they could do. But you think about, well, are they going to win every game? Well, they haven't been winning every game. The last two games, they've lost them both. They've lost a home game, they've lost a road game. And that's to a team that's mid-table and out of the playoff spots. So you look at the games they've got left and you think, well... No, they're probably not going to win all those games in hand. They'll win some of them. But it comes down to the Steelers have got to go into Cardiff and win at least one of those two games. There's three games left, one here, two in Cardiff. The Steelers have got to win two of them. Do the Steelers win in Cardiff? No, we don't, do we? And we need to. Mm. And until we can win in Cardiff, I don't make us favourites. But I'm not sure with the last couple of results... Cardiff can say they're favourites. Both teams still have it in their own hands. I think it's extremely tight. I think we're going to end up with a great race. And, you know, Belfast are still lingering around. Yeah, no, Belfast are well. right up there as well. Jonathan and I briefly mentioned it. Did you hear about my text from Ryan Finnerty? 
No. Okay, the game hasn't finished 30 seconds in Manchester. I don't think he's done this from the Manchester dressing room. I think he's done this from the Manchester bench right after the game because it flashed up on flash scores, final score 4-1. And as it flashed up, I get a text off Ryan Finnerty saying, you're very welcome. <laughs> Which I think is, I think it's, well, that's great. I think that's all good. Um, it is tighter. Are we in a better position then? As we, as we, again, as we turn back to where we sat here three months ago, four months ago, are we in a better position today than we thought we were going to be in three or four months ago? I, personally, yes. Yeah. With, the, with the cup run and the kind of, I guess, busy December, which we always get, but the types of games they were, that we could have easily have dropped more points, I thought, than what we did, given the injuries. Um, but I was very impressed with... Was it the Glasgow doubleheader, home and away, where we went up to Glasgow and, well, after we beat them here for the first time in however long, and then to go up there and win so comfortably as well, that was kind of the kickstart that I saw. So, Steelers have been top of the table through all of um, December, and just in the month of December, they had the league's best penalty kill, the second best power play, and the best goals against average of two. All those defensive injuries, two goals a game for the entire month. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a terrific run the team's been on, and they've bounced back. There's been no no losing streaks in that longer than one, um, and I think that's important. Um, Cardiff didn't bounce back tonight when the Steelers have needed to. They have massive night tomorrow. Yeah, huge night again. They've got they're all massive, aren't they? Yeah, they are now. And I suppose at the start of every season, it, we see every game as being massive because you don't know when Cardiff are going to drop points. You don't know when Belfast are going to drop points. And I think going up there now to Glasgow, they've got a few bodies back again. I know Wars been back in the lineup for the last couple of games. Chad Rouse back in this weekend as well. Yeah. And they are it's, two it's a dif- different Glasgow teams than the one we beat before Christmas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Also, just quickly, I think very interesting to see how Andrew Lord takes two losses because we know he's an intense kind of character. We know he's somebody who's going to push buttons uh, up there. And uh, I think for the first time in maybe, you know, in a short while, he's, he'll feel a little bit of pressure. He will, but Cardiff know how to win the league. They came up just short last year. They'll have learnt lessons from that. They're still the team that other teams are... I still, think yeah, I still think they're favourites. Yeah, I still think they're favourites. Yeah, again, I don't think there's much in it at all between between uh, Sheffield and Cardiff at the they moment. They lose tomorrow and we win tomorrow. I'm, I'm I'm probably changing my mind, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it will change again several times of throughout the season. Of course, of course it will. Yeah. Um, but look at the talent on that roster. You, you, you can't see them going on a long losing streak. They'll bounce back. Anything else we want to discuss before we uh, well, go? Just interestingly, if, uh, looking at the the last time we had. Ten teams in a league just playing three home, three away. So no conference. How many points do you need to win the league? Well, they've had five seasons with this current format back in the elite league days. And the winning points totals have been 95, 87, 89, 84 and 75. Well, no one's getting to the 80s this year. It's going to be one. So 75 points. To get 75 points, the Steelers would need to go 16 and 6 the rest of the way. I That's, fancy us to do that. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, well, our last 22, we've gone 14, 7 and 1. So we need to be a little bit better than that. 
16 and 6, but that doesn't sound unrealistic. I think it depends where those Cardiff games come. If Cardiff were to win those three games, it's a Absolutely. no-go. If we're to, say, go 2 and 1 with them, maybe. Yeah. So if we get 75 points, Cardiff would need 76. So for that, they'd have to go 18 and 7. I think they can do that. Yeah, I, well, both teams can. Yeah, can both get teams to that. can do that. Yeah. It's going to be a race into the mid seventies. This is a telling month as well, isn't it? Given the fixtures we have, where we play Cardiff, we play Belfast, and it's the games now. Everybody's eyes are going to be focused firmly on because you know, we're going to win out now against Belfast and Cardiff. Just, just finally, don't you ever wish that Jonathan had been your maths teacher? If he'd have come up with stats like that, I'd have been a lot more interested mm. in maths. Well, the stat I like. Is this what you do with your kids at school? Um, let, let's have a look at the Steelers power play. <laughs> where appropriate, I do try and get them to graph real-world things. So, yeah, we do do pie charts on which period the Steelers score their goals in. And I had a maths teacher who was a darts player. And we used yeah. to play darts in maths. And uh, that's how we came up with triple 18, triple 16, you know all that. Shall I test you on them? No, don't know. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I did try and put... Uh, Put a few sporting things in, and oh. where possible, uh, go with the. You mentioned uh, the, the attendance. Yeah, what what was your thoughts on that? Well, I picked up on JJ's stat earlier of the first time since was it ninety five five was it three eight thousand yeah. plus in a row September ninety five first three games of the season. And when you think about it, that was before our first Grand Slam, so that was like Dampier's first spell here. That was ninety five. That would have been the first year we won the league. And uh, that was that, that. That's some. I'm sure that's a stat. BBC Radio Sheffield, your sports leader, will be uh, running, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts tonight, Kipping? No, I thought I thought it was a great game. I thought having come back from the one goal down, they were completely in control thereafter. And actually, I thought even though down on some players, played really well, and some of the other guys that maybe haven't been quite well. Everyone's been contributing, haven't they? But some of the other guys that haven't been on the score sheet tonight, you know, Joseph Harabble, who by all accounts is a really popular member of the team, has got good for him to get his goal. Obviously, two for Eberle, two for Connolly, whose fantastic run just kind of keeps going, really. But I, I never thought it looked in doubt after they got got it back to one all and then 2-1, really. What's your view on the old Cardiff-Sheffield run at the moment? We Cardiff dropping a few points. Are Sheffield in this? Yeah, and I, I think so. You know, you'd love, you'd rather be out in front at this stage. And I said to Aaron a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago, you'd rather be out in front, wouldn't you, than than chasing. And I think you know that's the the pole position that Sheffield haven't been in for a few years now. Um, it's always been chasing or trying to get back into it. And I think actually, from that position out in front, Sheffield look. Uh, and I said to Alex on concourse, I think in the third period that, you know. We look a team that could go all the way this year, and we haven't been that team for for three seasons, four seasons, really. Since we last won it. Since we last won it, yeah. Exactly. Pete, thanks very much indeed. Anything else, boys, or are we done? Yeah, just quickly down at the bottom of the league, fun battles starting to develop. I hope Manchester make it. Well, they won tonight, but Fife and Dundee both picked up points from shootout losses. Mm. Dundee have had a a good run recently, picking up uh, points. Manchester. uh, Starting to get the winning. Okay, you got to put your uh, you got to put hundred quid on uh, who are the two that miss out. Who'd you go with? Mm. I'd probably say as it is <clears throat> at the minute. Five and Dundee. Five and Dundee. I think Fife are really struggling at the moment. They're not getting what they need on the ice, and also there's not a good vibe amongst the fan base at the moment. They don't seem to really enjoy match nights, and the the crowds are a little bit down. They're not. 
listen to some of the fans talking about some of the things that are going on around the club and the promoting and the advertising and it just seems like they're in a little bit of a little bit of a rut and, and I can't believe that five team is not going to finish in the top eight. It, I mean, the quality in that five team is there to finish in it. They should be a top six team, not a top eight team. Yeah, I'm not sure that I would put them as better than Coventry. I'm not sure which other teams you want them finishing above if they're going to be up in sixth. Yeah, they they should play better than they are. Um, but I'm just tr- waiting for the spark that turns their season around, and I've been waiting for three months for it now. I just like hard-working clubs. Nobody works harder than this club. And I think Dundee, under Pasha, work hard off the ice, mm. and I'd like to see them get a bit of success. And I know how our Jamie and Ryan and the team in Manchester work, and I'd like to see them get that extra game and, and, and make it. Obviously, both of them aren't going to do it, because I think it's any two from three, isn't it, mm. that are, uh, are going to go down. But it's good for the league that hopefully that race will run to the end of the season. It's terrible mm. when one team just gets stranded away because it feels like it becomes an automatic win for anyone that goes yeah. up against them and... You know, it, and it was beginning to look a little bit like that with Dundee, wasn't it? But then they've just turned it around. Yeah. And they made the big call to get rid of Elgin Pierce, who went straight into Belfast. And then they brought in um, oh, Matt Carter. They used yeah. to be in Nottingham. Yeah. And he started off with two, three goals, I think, in his first handful of games. So they found a bit of groove. But they are a good team to watch. I, when I travelled up with the guys to, to the Dundee away game, there's something about them that... Screams that they can be like us and score six, seven goals in a game. But then at the back end, they've got an exceptional goalie, but they still find ways to concede buckets of goals as well. Just one last thing. Remind me, the Manchester player from last year who went to Belfast, the uh, Kieran Long, Kieran Long, Kieran Long, he still hasn't scored yet, has he? I wish they'd shove him up the lines a little bit more. If you give him the ice time like Manchester did, he produces. If you're sticking him on the fourth line and giving him just... He's a not a fourth line guy, is he? He's not a bottom six player. You either play him in the top six or don't have him in your team. It's, it's one of those two. Yeah, I mean, Lewis Hook's a good player, but Lewis Hook is getting Kieran Long's ice time. I'd rather have Long than Hook at the moment um, because I think he's got a better track record in the Elite League of the goals he scored. And I think Belfast could get more out of him. Um... But then again, you know, you've got to look around and think, well, who's he going to replace? Well, I think other players might be able to produce better on the, on the fourth line than, than, than he has. Okay. It's interesting with the balance. You look at someone like Sandstrom, who sort of came in after Saint-Pierre. Couldn't be more different players. But that third line needs Sandstrom more than it needs a Saint-Pierre. Saint-Pierre was great on the face-offs and... You know, he's got a, a skill level that maybe I like Sandstrom, Sandstrom. has. Mm-hmm. There's something yeah. about Sandstrom I like. There's a lot of fans as well that like yeah. the this, style of his game. Style, he buys £10 worth of 50-50 every night as well. So yeah, I think he could be here for a couple of three years. And Tony will love him. Tony will love him. They're starting to notice the points output as well. Mm-hmm. He asked a lot of fans how many points has he got. I bet they'd all underestimate oh. it. Um, very quietly. And for a bottom six guy, minutes. he plays power play minutes as well. Yeah, and third power play goal of the season tonight. He's contributing, so... You know, you see the special teams has been so good this month. We can put two lines out there. And, he baffles, uh, doesn't he? That's, oh, yeah. that's, I think, the key thing with all the guys that have come in. They have all tried to make a name for themselves. And all three, four, if you're including Kuka, have all done that. And Tron's a, <laughs> he's such a funny guy when you see him off the ice because he's quite quiet, whether it's the language barrier or what. But then you see him on the ice and he, he just flourishes into... Arguably one of our best D men, that well, offensive D men, if anything. But as we turn the year, last question: 
I'll come to you for this one, Dean and Pete. So listen to the question as well, so we get five answers. Halfway, if you were picking your player of the half season right now, just a straight name, no reason for it, just a straight name, who would your player of the half season be? Connolly. Duba. Duba. Dino? Connolly. Connolly? Connolly. I'm going to go with Valoran. The only reason I'll go with Valoran is that the Sheffield Steelers have lapped a first line for three and a half years. And I think he's brought a first line to the club that can, that can score. And I think you could say the same, perhaps for Connolly as, as well. What was your reasons? For Duba, uh, I thought Connolly would put up this sort of points. I thought Valoran would put up that sort of points. Didn't think Duba would be as good as he is. No, it's a, it's a really good point, actually. And I was in Jonathan's camp as well, thinking Connolly would be amongst our top scorers. But for the way we started, that we were a bit up and down as such in... Being on social media all the time, he did take an awful lot of flack. Yeah. He was the next name in line to be sacked in a good number of people's posts and things, and he has turned his game around. And I don't normally like the Valorant style of player, that flashy kind of player. I, I prefer the old you know, Connolly type. But uh, I just think that we have so lacked a first line since really a year and a half before Freto and Wah disappeared. They probably went a year and a half too long. And uh, the one thing I think we needed more than anything was a first line, and I think he's come in and he's kind of given us that. Who did you vote for, Pete? Connolly. Connolly. OK. I just can't be asked to get up and walk over to you I'm again, not, Pete, no, to find all, out for your reasons why. Not, I'm sorry, mate. They're all, they're all, they're all good choices. Yeah, I don't yeah, think there's, yeah. there's a wrong What was your Connolly choice, Pete? You've come um, over to us now. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a similar kind of thing. And actually, I point to a, a game away in Manchester, which I went and watched, which we actually lost. Um, but Connolly on that night got two goals and again as you said Alex got a lot of the flack but people looking at the score sheet would have seen that obviously he took a penalty and, and that was maybe the reason that we lost the game but actually what they won't have seen is watching the game the effort he puts in and just being that glue guy that as you said kind of holds that first line together really you know without a Connolly does Valorant score as many goals as he got as he's getting? Well, maybe. Does De Luca score as many as he's getting? Well, maybe. But actually, speaking to De Luca last week, um, he was saying that actually we skate off the ice and we're all saying to each other in a similar way to we had in that season with Dowd and Nelson. Did you see me or did you just know I was there? And actually, it's it's a lot like that kind of line with Valdix again. And I think Connolly is that playmaker that just glues the line together. So I don't think those two players have the output that they have without Brendan Connolly in that unit. Hey, all good. All very good points. And, but I don't think there's anybody on the side that you can't make a case mm-hmm. for. You look at people like David Phillips and Mellon won't get mm. the plaudits. Well, actually, I think, I think Mellon is going to end up being one of the most important signings we've made mm. for a long... Hold on, photographer wants to put his... Mellon, a close second to Connolly for me, I and mean, he's fantastic, brings everything that we need. I'm so Dean likes him, but yeah. He's Eberle, he's had a... You compare him to his, his last season, he's been phenomenal this year. But then the players that have come in, there hasn't been a... a I guess a, a guy in line to be the next out the door as such, whether it be through injuries or just general play, because nobody hasn't had a period of time yet where they've stepped up or they've had a complete... Falling off a cliff, so... I've got another good question. Any player from last year's team that you think, oh, I wish we'd have kept him now, then, then, then we... Jackson Whistle. Yeah. Matheson. 
Yeah, Matheson, I'll give him a mad dog, yeah. I was going to say Matheson, just looking at the last two games that he's had against us. But he's that. the only one, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I'd, I'd go with that. Maybe Whistle is a close second behind, but yeah, Matheson for me. I guess the Jackson Whistle point that you make is is valid, but he, it means you wouldn't have been able to have one or the other player no, no, because I, I, of the financial... Again, completely understand why we did it. I, mean, yeah. I think on the early podcast, said we'll only know in a few years' time how much we regret letting Jackson Whistle go. You know, we had him and we chose... A different route. Um, I mean, he was the winner tonight in the in the shootout. Saved a couple of shots. Uh, there's Nottingham beat Dundee in a shootout, but I'm still a bit concerned if Thomas Duber trips off the bus tomorrow and rolls over on his ankle or something horrible happens. What happens to our season? How well, quickly can I we think, get that? I think the trick with Duber is when he gets the injury. If he gets it on a Saturday, we're in big problems. Yeah. If he gets it on a Sunday night late. Mm. 15th minute of the third period when we were five went up. You've at least got five days to bring a guy in, haven't you? It yeah. depends when he gets it. That's the thing, yeah. But if we're going to go 16 and 6, we can't really afford an 0 2 weekend. Mm. So I, I like that safety net of having a netminder that I know can put in an elite league level performance. Okay, Whether great. it's a win or a loss. We knew Brad Day could keep us in games. We knew Jeff Woolhouse could keep us in games. Jackson Whistle can do more than that. I like having that safety net. Yeah. I wish we had it now. Okay. We've, been, we've been walking that tightrope for three months now. Okay. Anybody else got anything to add, Pete? Coming back to oh. that um, whistle point, though, if you keep Jackson Whistle for last season, you don't get Thomas Duber because chronologically, mm. Cantor was in first, Whistle was yeah. the backup. Yeah, so you, mm. if you, you keep Whistle, you don't get Duber. And you got Cantor. <laughs> <laughs> they were all buggered. <laughs> Mike, do you want to add anything to it? No, thank you. Okay. Right, any... 50-50. Oh, aren't we all, kid? Aren't we all? Um, right, Jonathan, thank you. Alex, thank you. Pete, Dean, there's big Mikey leaves the building. Uh, we'll be back next week. Steelers versus the Glasgow clan. Before that, of course, the Steelers are up in Glasgow on Sunday. And if you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and any other social media network, we'll uh, bring you all the results from there. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us.